Hello and welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast, the only podcast whose host has accidentally sabotaged a stage magician's act by suggesting he call up his short-sighted father as a volunteer, not realising that the trick involved a substantial amount of reading on the part of said volunteer. Um, We're back and thanks to all of you who got in touch to ask where we were. Um, Paul... Johnson got in touch on Twitter to say he'd missed us. Paul usually listens to the podcast whilst tending to his falcons in France. So uh, get in touch with us and let us know where you listen. Uh, hopefully there'll be alliteration in there as well. Um, but joining me this week, returning as well, it's Ian Hay. Greetings, sinners. <laughs> we'll get on to that later on. Um, Ian, what, what if, aside from sinning, what have you been up to since uh, we were last on air? Um, not a great deal, to be honest. Same as usual. Uh, watching rugby, going to work, not going to work. You've, um... No, nothing actually. Have I been up to anything? I don't know. Have I? Yeah. Well, yeah. Probably not. No. Quiet no. then. You've not upset. Just... You've not upset any stage magicians, have you? Uh, no, not that I can recall. No, I just I was worried I'd been caught doing something there, and you're like. And uh, now secrets footage, no, I just, which would be useless in an audio sort of media form. But yeah, well, we we mostly uh, quite normally when they do this bit on um, Lee and Josh, this bit on Blood and Mud, they're they're off for a good half an hour. All right. And what uh, been up um, to? Well, I I I got my car MOTs. Oh, um, I got mine MOTs as well today. Yeah, uh, uh, I I got a full service as well. So um, um, the thing is disgustingly filthy. It needs cleaned. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, I had no brake pads left. Oh, because I don't understand cars. Yeah, well, last last time I had to get some axle bits replaced, and that cost like three hundred and fifty quid. See axle I bits, I can see I can understand that. That's 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 the level on which I like mechanics are taught to me. Your axle, axle bits have gone. Axle spurs. That was it. Was it spurs? Isn't is that a know. real thing? Cowboys well, have those like, on the boots, don't they? Yeah, well, the the, the axle joins goes in them and the wheels, and they apparently eroded away to nothing. Um, oh. That doesn't sound good yeah. at all. No, they were clanking about, so they were. <laughs> That's, yeah, I, I normally wait for a clank before I take it in. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, before we, we seg into a terrible um, car-related podcast, of which neither of us has, has the expertise <laughs> to carry for more than about five minutes, um, you can get in touch Last with us. Yeah. <laughs> you can get in touch with us on Twitter at ScottRugbyBlog or at Cammy Black. You can visit the blog, ScottishRugbyBlog.co.uk. Hopefully you've all been on there in our absence. Uh, we're on Facebook, if you just search for Scottish Rugby Blog, and there's a Scottish Rugby Forum on there as well, which we are not 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 um, officially affiliated with, but, but are friends of the podcast. Um, and you can also email us, podcast at scottishrugbyblog.co.uk, just like Letha, who got in touch via email with a crap call-off. Uh, this is the section of the podcast where we ask you to send in the best and worst reasons why your teammates have called off training or games. But Letha says a player called off a game last season because his mother's washing machine was broken and he was the only person in the house who could stay home to wait for the engineer to come and fix it. A likely story. And also, like, engineers never turn up on time. You could have gone and played. Who's turning up on a weekend? Yeah, I mean, you're, Engin- playing, ah. you're paying premium for that. So if you're paying premium for that, surely uh, if it's his mum... His mum could have stayed in. She she, she'd done. want the job done. She'd want the job done properly. She's paid the premium for it. He's um, getting in trouble if he comes back. If she comes back and it's not been fixed properly, isn't he? Yeah. So he's weighed that up. The... He's weighed that up against playing a game of rugby and decided he'd rather risk his mother's wrath and not getting the engineer to fix it properly than play a game of rugby. 
Ah, but then you could simply use the the engineer didn't turn up excuse, even if the engineer had done, because she'll believe it. Because as we've already discussed, these people never turn up on time. No, this is very true. Um, they only turn up on time in porn films. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so I so I believe. <laughs> yeah, that's what I've been told. Um, yeah. In other news, this week, um, cue the jingle. It's the legally mandated lions chat. Mandated Lions Chat We've heard so much about it That it makes us sick But we've still got a chat About who Gatlin's gonna pick That's right, I'm bringing back the Lions Chat jingle Although legally we're not allowed to indulge In any Lions Chat until after the World Cup is over But Schedule 5, Section 32A Slash C of the British and Irish Lions Discourse Regulations 1987 do allow for early discussion of Lions tours in the event of absolute bobbins. Now, it is being heavily rumoured that Warren Gatland is going to be appointed as the Lions coach for the 2021 tour to South Africa. This was a couple of people's hands in the ruck, but we, we thought we'd do it as a news item. So Jack Cowan, thank you for raising this. He he asked, um, could could the Lions not freshen things up a bit? Uh, Derek Matheson also had it as his hands in the ruck. Um, Ian... Working through this logically, Gregor Townsend is the only man standing if you're looking at a Lions coach from within the home nations. Because Schmidt's gone. Although Eddie sh- Jones has ruled himself out. You could go for... You could maybe argue Andy Farrell. He's been on Lions tours in the past. Whether or not, he's, whether or not Ireland would want to lose him mid-World Cup cycle when he's fairly new to the job, I'm not sure. Well, I was just wondering how long Schmidt would be taking his break for, um, because even if it was a year, that'd still put you up to 2020 and then... But is he taking a break or is he not just leaving rugby altogether? Because it's not to do with his son being having epilepsy and wanting to spend more time with him. I'm not... I kind of got the impression that that was him done. Alright, so it was a sort of... uh, permanent adjournment rather than just a just going to spend some time with the family then come back but you know well people like Alex Ferguson and all that lots of there's lots of managers that quit and then they're back within yeah, yeah. six months a year Zinedine Zidane you know I mean hopefully Joe Schmidt would turn up wearing those ridiculous trousers <laughs> um, yeah it's an in- I mean what sticks in the craw bit for me is the fact that Gatlin didn't take Vern Cotter on the last tour and I think as a coach, and, it, and I think Cotter was up for it by all accounts because he said he was going to be coaching outside of the home nations because he was going to France. So I don't understand how you can therefore, unless Gatlin's going to England, which is a possibility, unless Gatlin's going to be coaching within the home nations, either at club or international level, I don't understand how the Lions can... Well, I can understand how they can appoint him. I just don't see... How previous logic being applied works. Well, I suppose if it was him picking his own, you know, the the Lions committee picking the manager, they've got their sort of rules. They'll probably be different from Gatlin's as to what he wants. Um, so he's breaking his own rules. Well, it wouldn't be the first <laughs> time, would it? Probably not. Um, yeah, I'd, I mean, I wouldn't be overly delighted if it was Gatland again we've been there seen it done it it's you know the Lions is a very rare opportunity for someone someone to 
to get. Um, so I'd like to, I'd like to, to see up. I'd like to see Townsend get it. I think so because you know I mean part of the Lions, the Lions almost has a maybe not quite a Baba spirit, but because it is a team that's just sort of chucked together, I think you know Townsend would want the players to really express themselves, whereas Gatland is more of a pragmatist. Um, you know, maybe I'm being a bit romantic about it, but I, you know, I think especially with the, you know, Townsend's well, Townsend's got uh, got a bit of form down in South Africa, doesn't he? Yeah, of course. So it would be quite a, a fitting return. Yeah, and it's not like yeah. it's not like when McGeechan and Telfer were in charge that Scotland were, you know, blazing a trail to the top of the Five Nations every year, was it? So it doesn't. I don't necessarily think that Scotland have to be topping the Six Nations as it is in order for Townsend to be considered. It's just, is he good enough and can he get a team around him and can he pull a scratch side together? Well, if he's one of the few remaining candidates, any better. Um, he's pretty much, I mean, to to my mind, he's the only man standing, unless you include Andy Farrell. Yeah, or um, Lancaster, maybe. True. Sure. Yeah, uh, that'd be an interesting one as well, yeah. Although, I think he's more preferring his hands-on backroom staff kind of job, almost. Yeah. Um, Speaking, no, yeah. Speaking, speaking of which, it's all gone quiet on the director of rugby front from Scotland's side. Scott Johnson has has gone. Mm. We've not heard a peep as to who might be replacing him. So that'll be interesting to watch this space. Yeah, I mean, certainly. But I mean, how much impact? Well, how much input would he have on World Cup sort of? I suppose it, it depends. Well, Has that all been done already, you know. Yeah, it's not so much. Well, I guess you can wait till after the World Cup. I suppose it depends if they're waiting for some for the season to end and they're going to approach a current director of rugby or head coach. Fern uh, Sean, Sean Edwards. <laughs> I think he's already thrown his lot in with um, with Wales, hasn't he? Um, so yeah, that's interesting to watch there. Um, let me have a look. What else have we got on the news that we've missed since we've been away? Um, the super more news about Agenda Three. Is it still Agenda Three? Anyway, the the SIU's rugby development department and have announced seven initiatives it will undertake in the coming months as part of its plan to provide support to clubs. You can read the. There's a full article on this on the uh, offside line. Um, that um, who's done it? Stuart Bathgate's written it. Um, and the seven. Uh, ideas are a summer roadshow to the Highlands and Islands, which sounds like a lot. Of, I'm thinking Radio One roadshow with sort of bands <laughs> on the back of a of a truck with a float with, I don't know, Timmy Mallet or Jimmy Savile, John Peel. <laughs> Not Jimmy Savile, God no. <laughs> um, so thirty uh, people. Pat Sharp. Pat, that's it. Thirty people will be part of the roadshow, visiting twenty two clubs in the region from the fifth to the eighth of June. Running activities such as masterclasses, coach development, and Tartan Touch tournaments. D. Bradbury will be among the officials taking part. So that's that's an initiative. Apparently, going visiting another part of Scotland is is now considered an initiative by the SRU. Um, the next one is the Iceland development visit, um, which I don't really understand what King Prawn Ring is going to do to help matters. Um, but apparently, next month, thirteen people will visit the country to try and understand, analyse the success in getting women's and men's football teams in the finals of major tournaments as a nation that punches above its weight. Um, 
So it's just, we're just kind of rubbish. It seems to say that basically that the idea is Iceland have a lot of indoor. They actually this quote is Iceland does have a lot of indoor halls, but the clubs that we're going to don't have them. They've outdoor pitches in function throughout the season. Um, presumably, well, presumably because they play in the summer, I would guess. Um, review the structure of the male season with the aim of implementing any change for 2021-22. So they're going to. They, they said we have absolutely no agenda for what this is. We're going out in listening mode and asking what it is that the clubs want. I think there will be some tough love in the room. It will be the club's decision as to what they want. So that will um, probably result in a Brexit-like outcome. I was going to say, well, uh, you mean what we've got so far, which is a big pile of hee-haw. Yeah. yeah, well, that's it because it's like it's like asking turkeys to vote for Christmas, whichever way you look for it. Because either you're asking clubs who are struggling for players in the regional leagues and maybe even national three, well, what do you want? And they might say, well, it might be more easy for us to keep hold of players if we did it regionally, and it might help our finances if we weren't, you know, having to travel halfway across the country if we do get promoted. And then you might be asking clubs in national one and national two who have very different agendas, what they want, and they would want completely different things. So I, I think it's a bit naive to go to the clubs to ask them what they want and expect some sort of consensus. Yeah, and like, don't they have AGMs and things for this kind of, you know, rather than having to go on roadshows? Yeah, but they, have, like they, said they haven't got an agenda here. They're in listening mm. mode. Haven't they got an email address? <laughs> yeah. What's that like a, a suggestion? Like a suggestion? Was it the office where they had the suggestion bin, which was just a bin? Or was that a joke I'm from Simpsons? Sure. I think that was a joke in the uh, Simpsons. Mister Burns had yeah. that joke. Yeah, I've not seen a lot of the office. I, I, I can't stand Ricky Gervais. Yeah. That's the, thing. Um, the next one is girls' youth age banding change. So they are changing the age bands so they're a little less wide. So they're going to have. In, they're basically introducing under fourteen, getting rid of under fifteens, and introducing under fourteens and under sixteens to have fewer mismatches within games, which seems like a sensible idea. Tartan Touch. Uh, they're going to trial an indoor winter series in the Caledonia and Midlands region to see if there's demand for the format with its usual summer slot. I would imagine there would. I would. I would imagine there would be. Yeah. What, what counts as the Midlands? So? I know. Uh, I can only assume. Yeah, that's what, like. But Birmingham, but <laughs> you hear the bit, I hear Midlands. I think like Birmingham, Wolverhampton, that kind of thing. I don't I think. Why don't everyone just calls it the Central Belt? I know. I, I can only that. imagine. Well, unless it's not the Central Belt. What's yeah. north of the Central so Belt? What's the, it's possibly the Midlands. Uh, Perth. Um, I don't know. What the? F- what's the? <laughs> cent- it's, it's not. Well, it's clearly not the Central Belt. So, yeah, if anybody knows where Scotland's Midlands are, do get in touch and let us know. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, everybody else would just say Central Belt. But, yeah. mid, I mean, Midlands, is, technically, if you were doing it, drawing a line, it would be sort of straight across from Dundee to Mull. So, Perth? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because, you know, like, well, because Glasgow and Edinburgh, they're a wee bit further south than the actual middle. Yeah, and then actually, and actually, if you comply with the law and you include Shetland on there as well, the Midlands are probably oh, oh, somewhere up by Inverness. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's, that's geography gone mad. That's yeah. just, <laughs> um, they're going to review some pathways, lay down some new flagstones, presumably analyze how players continue in the game or drop out with the aim of improving retention numbers. So they're going to have a wee think, and then have a schools conference roadshow, another roadshow. 
which will ask schools and clubs what they how they think conferences are going at present. So they're going to go out and do a lot of listening. Yep. So that'll be interesting and have some road shows, which it, it reminds me of that Father Ted episode where Speed, where they just said, is there nothing to be said for another mass? Just like, just imagine the SRU. Um, what can we do? Let's have a road show. <laughs> I hope they've got like a Mr. Blobby or a Gunge tank. That would be amazing. Well, maybe yeah. maybe that's where Flint, Flinty McStag might be on the road show. <laughs> Come come back from come back from the dead. Um, next bit of news this weekend, of course, it's the big one in Scottish rugby, and no Ember and Glasgow fans. I am not talking about the eighteen seventy two cup. We'll get to that in a minute. The big one, of course, is Silver Saturday at BT Murrayfield. Um, sadly, this year we we haven't been able to do the full preview with teams involved like we did last year, purely because of time issues on our part. Um, but there is a full programme of matches on Saturday on the back pitches and on the main pitch. It's only £10 to get in, £5 for concessions. Uh, so get along and support Club Rugby. You've got turnstiles open at 10. Bars are probably open from around there too. Um, on the back pitches, the women's plate final between Stuart Tree and Glasgow University. Um, I know Glasgow were there last year. That's at 1.15. At 3.30, there's the women's ball, which is Livingston versus Greenwich Wanderers. Um in the main stadium at 11 a.m., poor, poor, poor swines, 11 a.m. for a game of rugby, that's no time at all, is it? Um, the Dundee oh. University Medics uh, versus Aberdeenshire RFC. Um, yeah, they're going to have to travel down the night before, aren't they? The Aberdeenshire are going after, yeah. yeah. After clock in the morning. But I think that's, I, I might be, somebody will probably write me a letter and tell me I'm wrong on this, but that's good. To, I think Aberdeenshire were struggling for players a few years ago, so it's good to see um, Good to see them them in the bowl final. Um at 3.30 p.m., it's the Men's Cup RRFC versus Heriots. And then 5.45 on live on BBC Alba for people that can't get there is Hillhead Jordan. Uh, again, they, this is a repeat, I think, of the Serebini Cup last year, which is Hillhead Jordan versus Watsonians. Um, the big game, though, is 1.15 on the main stadium, and that is <laughs> Berwick Rugby Club versus Greenwich Wanderers. Um, that's the big game. Um, Berwick unbeaten in all competitions this season. Um, and have won promotion to National Three. Grinick Wanderers, um, I'm sure they're a fine club, but it, it's going to—it's very hard to see them getting past, um, getting past Berwick in that fixture. Uh, not that I'm biased, obviously. Um, we um, we are going to actually talk um, to some people involved with Berwick, um, just partly because it's easier for me because I've got connections with the club. Um, I'm not going to make any bones about that, but um, they have had quite a remarkable season. It's just interesting to talk to them about. Sort of how that's come about and their plans for next year, season and get an idea of how a club p- prepares for going from regional rugby to national three and um, how they've gone uh, all season unbeaten and hopefully by the time we speak to them they will um, they'll also be um, they'll have done the double and won the uh, the league and and the shield and um, their seconds the Bears I should also mention won the Northumberland Plate this season too as well um, so if you want us to feature your club. Because I am open to featuring other clubs and not just talking about Berwick. Although obviously, <laughs> if I could, I would all the time. Um, but if you've got an interesting story or you've had a particularly successful or maybe an unsuccessful season, then get in touch and let us know, and, and we'll be glad to have you on. Um, obviously, um, hello to everybody at Berwick. Um, I was up there speaking at the players' dinner uh, last weekend um, with Ian Ian the Bear Milne, who was an absolute delight, um, and uh, had a wonderful time. Um, it was very well looked after. It's always a pleasure to go up there. Um, shall we move on to the the second most important game 
of uh, in Scottish rugby this weekend, Ian, which is the 1872 Absolutely. Cup. The 1872 to dead rubber, of course, because Ember have already won. Well, yeah, the the cup is gone, but uh, it, you know, I think the um, I don't know. There's a lot riding on victory. Well, well, uh, there's still a lot riding on it for both teams. So Glasgow, hmm. so for Glasgow, um, Munster are three points adrift uh, in Conference um, B, Conference A. Sorry, I get the conferences mixed up. Doesn't really matter, does it? Yeah. So, yeah, but, no. so Munster are three points behind. If well, any any win will do, any win will do. If Glasgow get a losing bonus point, and Munster fail to get a try bonus point, then this is how the tiebreak works. Because obviously at that point they'll be tied on points. So it's first of all number of league points awarded to each club. If unresolved, the number of matches won by each club. If unresolved, the difference between the total points scored and the total points conceded on the field of play for each club in all matches. If unresolved, the number of tries scored. If unresolved, the number of points scored on the field of play by each club in all matches in the league stage. If unresolved, the difference between the number of tries scored and the number of tries conceded by each club. If unresolved, the number of players suspended by a disciplinary committee or appeal committee, for instance, taking place in the league stage. If unresolved, the number of yellow cards received by players for each club in all matches in the league stage. If unresolved, the toss of a coin or is otherwise determined by the Celtic rugby in its absolute discretion. Um, that was inter- that was that was a fascinating thing. Is they still called Celtic rugby, which I'd completely forgotten about. Um, <laughs> but um, sadly for Glasgow, um, Ember, uh, Glasgow and Munster um, at this stage both have won fifteen games. So. Um, um, I don't know why I read that whole list out because basically there's a lot to resolve. There's a lot to resolve, but basically it would be resolved fairly quickly because Munster yeah. would have, if that came ah, to pass, Munster would be one game ahead of Glasgow and yeah. wins. Um, so yeah, Glasgow have to, in order to get a home semi-final in the playoffs, Glasgow have to win. Just win. Yep. Just win. Scrap a scrappy 3-0 will do. Or get a losing bonus point whilst also getting a try bonus point and hope that Munster don't get a bonus point, point. win. So that is Glasgow. Edinburgh. Now they'll know the permutations before kickoff, I think, because Benetton yeah. are playing Zebra first and a Scarlet's playing Dragons before as well. I believe they are, yes. So at the minute you've got Benetton on 52 points in third place and then you've got Edinburgh in fourth on 51 points, then Scarlet's in fifth on 50 points. Um, Benetton are playing Zebra, Zebra um, which is so, not sorry, so... Sorry, just to clarify, uh, Dragons are playing Scarlets at three, Zebra and Benetton's at five, so the so Welsh the, game's first. So the Wel- they'll know whether or not they are going to be fourth or not? Uh, yes. Well, they know what it'll take to be fourth, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Cause, well, if, if Dragons beat Scarlets, then Edinburgh sorted for fourth. Yeah, um, obviously, yeah. But that that would involve dragons beating Scarlets, <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is highly unlikely. Dragons currently on twenty one points. Um, so they the have one four, drawn one, and lost fifteen. Their points difference is minus two hundred and sixty two. They have no try bonus points and three losing bonus points. So it's not looking good, Edinburgh fans. <laughs> <laughs> Don't expect any favors. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's not. It's not. Ember essentially going to have to win this game if they want to maintain fourth because I can't. It's unlikely that Benetton are going to lose to Zebra. Yeah, Benetton like Zebra are, are Zebra are worse than 
dragons. So um, yeah, Edinburgh really got. I think Edinburgh going to have to do this for themselves. Yeah. Um, and to be quite honest, um, given current form, I do not fancy their chances. And I'm, I, I don't think I'm being overly biased or optimistic here, even though I am. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come on to the match in a minute. For, for Edinburgh, though, if we work it through, so if Benetton. Obviously, if Benetton beat Zebra and they get a a, um, a bonus, a try bonus point, then that's game over for Edinburgh. Yeah, that's it. No way yeah. of being third. If Edinburgh win with a try bonus point and Benetton win but don't get a try bonus point, then they're going to be tied on points because only one point between them at the moment. They are both have the same number of matches won, so then it's going to come down to. Uh, if unresolved, um, Try the score difference score. between the total points scored oh, and the total points conceded on the field of play for each club in all matches in the league stage, which would mean that where are, ooh, yeah, Benetton have ten more. I think Benetton have got yeah ten more points. Ooh, that's so quite tight. But, yeah, it's uh, ten. So uh, the, their points difference is twenty nine, and Embers is nineteen. Um, and then if unresolved, so let's assume that's tied. Say Ember get a big score, uh, get win by ten points, and oh, say Ember win by fifteen points, and Ember and Zebra win by fourteen, whatever it is to, no, win by four. Say Ember win by ten more points than Zebra than Benetton. That's that's how we work that out. <laughs> then it would be number of tries scored by each club, which for um, means it is. I would do Treviso. Just Benetton, guess. Benetton yeah, fifty nine and Embra fifty one. So it's unlikely because yeah. yeah. So it's a yeah. You're gonna to have to win Embra with with a try bonus to have any chance at all of um of ending up in third and to cement fourth. You're definitely gonna to have to win with a try bonus. Um, because fourth means playoff oh, with fourth from Conference A. Which at the minute is Ospreys, is either going to be Ospreys or Cardiff Blues by the looks of things, depending on what happens at the weekend. And they're they're playing each other, aren't they? Yeah. They are. So the winner, Judy, yeah. yep. So whoever whoever is the winner of that game will play probably play either Scarlet or Ember for the playoff for the last Heineken Cup. Is it the Heineken Cup? Yeah, the last Heineken Cup place, isn't it? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yep. So yeah, so lots riding on it and lots of various uh, permutations. So that's that's going to be interesting. What we in order to preview the match because um, and try and not be biased. Obviously, um, Ian thinks it's it's going to be um, going to be a Glasgow win. Clearly, Ian, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I think no, um, the, well, the eighteen, the eight, I, Co- Richard Cockrell seems to be able to get Ember up for the eighteen seventy two matches. Yeah, very much so. But you know. The wheels have got to come off the wagon sometime, um, okay. and Glasgow. Whereas, like when when the games get played, the double headers get played. It's really not Glasgow conditions. I mean, I know this doesn't. It's <laughs> not always necessarily right. You soft, soft boys I, in the I west think, of can't cope with cold weather. Is that it? Oh no, no, no not for our, you know. Wait, how, how's Adam Hastings meant to fix his hair when his hands are cold? <laughs> um, um, I just I don't know. I think Glasgow are just they've got a wee bit of form right now. Edinburgh uh, have had a couple of really uh, Ulster. They were absolutely terrible against Ulster. Um, when you consider that Ulster played Glasgow the week before and Glasgow demolished Ulster, Ulster, um, and then 
you know, to go away to Edinburgh, I go to Murrayfield, and Edinburgh were awful, to be honest. Um, yeah. I don't know, I just think maybe the, the form, like, it's maybe just a good time for Glasgow to catch them, uh, especially with the, the pokes in the chest that certain players seem to have got after the Saracens game. Um, so, no, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be, this is the thing, right, even if Edinburgh do win, I, I don't think they've got enough firepower to win with a bonus point. So uh, try scoring bonus points. So I think they're basically screwed um, with regards yeah. to getting through to the playoffs. Um, sorry, but I, I think that is the case. Uh, like they might get in an arm wrestle if, if Glasgow play badly. Um, you know, we know Edinburgh have dominated the set piece the last couple of times. Um, you know, if that's the case, then you know Edinburgh have a chance. But if Glasgow play anywhere near the way they have been playing recently, I mean, Ali Price back in form, Hastings back in form. Um, yeah, I, I I am confident. Um, I don't think we'll, we'll hammer them, but I do think Glasgow will win. Yeah. Um. We we what we thought we'd do for a bit of fun is we've the BBC have got this. Um. Pick your own. Um. Combined Glasgow and Ember team. So um, you've already done yours, Ian. I'm I'm in the middle of doing mine as we speak. Um. <laughs> so that clicking was. <laughs> <laughs> um. So what you let's see where we end up with this. So um, who have you gone um, with um, at number one? Right. Well, this was this was quite a tight one, um, but given the fact that Mister Cable has been a wee bit more undisciplined than Mister Schumann, uh, even though Schumann had that horrendous assault on Tagburn the other week, um, I, yeah, I've picked Schumann. Um, Schumann was recently voted Edinburgh's Player of the Season. Um, you know, whenever I've seen him, he's been. I think he's a wee bit. I mean, they're both very good in the list, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I do think Schumann's just got a wee bit of an edge on him. Um, he's, you know, Edinburgh Scrum has been on top. I know they're opposite sides against each other, but you know, Edinburgh Scrum has been on top. That's a unit thing. So I'm, I'm just picking Schumann. Although I think Kebble's been really good this season. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. I've I've gone with the same. Um, then I've gone with I've gone with Ross Ford at number two. Just. <laughs> just for just for nostalgia's sake, just because it's you know it's potentially his last game, I just feel I feel like I feel like Forty um, needs it. A Forty, you know Fi- I'm calling it a Forty Philip. If that's what Edward wanted to do, I'll be more than happy with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm down with that. I'd, I'd pick Stuart McAnally. Um, yeah, I think realistically yeah. that's who I go with. But just just for just for the sheer nostalgia, I've gone with Ross Ford. Um, and then and then he gets subbed off after two minutes for Stuart McAnally. <laughs> yeah, true. Like I went to um, who was it? Craig Levine's testimonial against Coventry when he was injured way back in the nineties, and that happened to him. He kicked off, and then he was subbed immediately. Yeah. So they should do with Forty on at the weekend. Um, three. I've gone with Ferguson. It was quite a hard one, but I went with Ferguson purely on form because Nell's dropped off a little bit, and I. Th- Berg has been great from the bench, but I thought Ferguson was superb against Leinster. Yeah, I also went for Ferguson. I, I, I assume this is the first time I'd get called out for showing my Glasgow bias. But, um, no, I mean, maybe it's just the way that, like, well, the way I, I would, if, if I was coaching a team, this is how I would want them to play. Um, Ferguson offers more knowledge than uh, Neil or Bergen. Um, yeah, pri- I think probably prior to the Munster game, I would have gone Nell. Yeah, possibly, but you know, Ferguson was still coming back from that um, that terrible uh, leg injury he had, uh, which took longer to heal than it should have. True, but yeah, I think I just Nell's not been as 
great. I think he's he's come at the end of a long season. To be fair, so um, yeah, because you know he's not played a lot over the last couple of years. This has been his probably his best season for a good while, hasn't it? Yeah, and he also got that injury after the you know halfway like the start of the Six Nations as well. So oh yeah, the calf injury yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, calf strain. Um, for I'm assuming you've gone for Johnny Gray. I have. Um, well, I've. Well, who have you gone for? Locks. I've gone. I've gone Gray Gray and Gilchrist. Yes, over. But I've got Gilcoat. I've got Gilcoat four and Great Five. Yeah, it gave you the option for both. So I just, yeah, I think that's fairly. I don't think there's there's not. I mean, there's people that there are thereabouts. It's actually a good sign of the depth that there is. But um, I think Tulis. I think again, it's that thing of after the England game, I probably would have picked Tulis ahead of Gray. But again. 41 tackles. Yeah, 43. 43. Revised up, revised revised up, up to 43. Yeah, if people uh, haven't seen it, um, there is a video on YouTube of all 43 of Johnny Gray's tackles against Leinster, and it is quite, quite something. Lit- Somebody work out who's making a tackle every, like, one, one, if, one and a half minutes or something, or two every two minutes? Well, I mean... I suppose the better way to do it would be to see how much time Leinster had with ball in possession. Yeah, that's true. From there, because you know half the time he's you know he's also um, hitting rocks and well hitting rocks and offensive style and carrying as well. Yeah, he, I think he was was he not top carrier as well or yep one of the top carriers. Yeah, so there you go. That's yeah. a that's um it's I, a lot I of work. do you know what that is? That's down to the uh, I think he was listening to the podcast when Rory Lawson was we had Rory Lawson <laughs> a couple of weeks ago telling them that he needed to. Up his work rate. Um, the back row, I've gone. It's quite hard in the back row because they basically on again on this list they haven't really like limited you on who you can select. They've just said you can select whoever you want across the back row. So yeah. I've gone just because I like playing with two open sides. I've gone Gibbons, Watson, and Matter. That's exactly what I've got as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you put Gibbons at six? I put Gibbons at six, yeah. Yeah, just because you feel like Hamish Watson has to be number seven. Yeah, um, exactly. It's got yeah, to... um, again, this was one I thought might prove controversial because Barkley, Barkley's back. Ah, he's Cal- back, but Cal- he's not. He's not really yeah, good. I mean, Barkley's back and he's played well, but he's, he, you know, yeah. he's had a long time out and he's not back to his best. Yeah. Um, I mean, things right. The, I think Mata is a shoe in. Yeah, and then then it's like you said, you know, it's the choice of two open sides, and yeah. for me, the best Hamish Watson's one of the best in the Northern Hemisphere, and Callum Gibbons is a brilliant player. Yeah, and I would, I think Richie and Bradbury came close, but I think it just came down to Edinburgh's last two performances. Even that that win against the Scarlets, that first half was a bit was absolutely abysmal. Um, and if you looked at that, then you look at the way they played against Ulster, that was coming because they just, you know. Yeah, they talked Scarlet Open in the second half, but the first half was just dreadful. So I think yeah, on, on that basis and the basis of form, that's that's what I've gone with. Um nine Alley Price. Oh, I've gone Horito, but Have that's you, just so I can uh, say Horito. Um, <laughs> I nearly went uh, with no, one Price is in great form. He is and he's been, I think he it's mainly because he's the start he's he's been starting and he's in good form and yeah. yeah, but then you know, like Hornito came on, and you know, whenever he comes on, he clearly, he clearly, you'd have him yeah. as your as your nine on the bench, though. I don't know. I just like to see him start all the time. Because, <laughs> I, mean, I just remember that that uh, Munster game, the the one that we ended up losing with the last kick of the match, and he played the full eighty. And people have always questioned if he could, and he was outstanding in that yeah. game. That that try against Leinster as well the other week. Woof. Yeah. Oh, 
Woof. Great situation. That was unbelievable. Uh, it was that there was that quote. Was it said? Um, it was just. Um, I think the referee almost couldn't believe he was that quick. <laughs> when it's a check he's like how did he get there and it's like he started from so he started from so deep he could see he obviously knew it was coming yeah he just like he must have like known every single like twitch that scrum half had it was like right I know exactly how long he takes to now off off um, yeah unbelievable um 10 Adam Hastings I'm not I I've, yeah I've got Hastings yeah I think <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have any jingle for him but uh... no um, Jacko van der Voort, I think he's he's clearly ahead of Simon Hickey now at um, at Edinburgh but um, no he can't compete with with uh, Hastings um, 11 who's, yeah. you for? who's your 11 um, I've gone for the other van der Merwe Duhan Duhan ah, that's interesting on the wings I've stuck Seymour and Graham really yeah, I've gone. Well, I've I've gone uh, Duhan and Seymour. Um, Again, it's a form. Uh, it's a form thing. I think. I just. Yeah, but they, I just. I think like see, Tommy Seymour's been getting a lot of pelters over the last couple of years. Like last season, I thought he wasn't particularly good. This season, he's maybe not been as magnificent as he had been previously, but there has been some flashes of absolute brilliance, and he's been a lot better than last season. I would say that Duhan van and Ember fans are probably. I'm going to get hundreds of letters and tweets about this, but he just he's he reminds me a little bit of um, who, oh man, the name's gone from my head. Now. It's been <laughs> a long day. Tim, Tim the Dutchman. Tim Visser. Tim Visser. That's I mean, just you know, big and fast. Yeah, I was gonna say he's but, kinda like uh he's kinda like winger David Denton. He just doesn't aye, have a pass button. That's it. Um, and I think that's the problem is he doesn't pass and yeah, his defence he is alright. But yeah, he sits people down, but he's I, I don't know, I think he needs to add more to his game. I think Tommy Seymour does more work. Yeah, but um yeah, but there is you know, there's just that destructive element to Duhan that's that, true. Uh, can win matches. Well, there you go. People I'm can't. Never call. Going to use this. You can never be accused of bias again, Ian. After that, no. And I'm never going to be. I'm never going to use the phrase "he's got the X factor" either, because every time someone says that, a part of me dies. <laughs> <laughs> um. So you went see. I see. I put. I put. We Darcy on the wing. King Hoyk. Yeah, he was. I mean, he was. It was tight, but I just. I went with my boy Tommy. Okay. Um. Twelve and thirty. Have you got in the centres? I've got Sam Johnson. Twelve. Yep. So have I. 13 I struggled with I've actually this is just purely because I thought he's had a good season and I quite like the cut of his jib I've gone with Stafford McDowell really oh yeah I quite like Stafford McDowell I think he's See, a good when player. you said yeah I don't know I think he definitely is um and he came into my thoughts but when when you said because the season he's had I thought you were going to go with James Johnson well again because um, he's had a very good season but again it's not it's just I'm looking at recent more recent form and yeah. I don't know I've just, I've gone. I've gone a bit nostalgic, to be honest. Who's I picked Mark Bennett. Oh, yeah, because like, like if it's if it's like if it's Scotland form, it's Hugh Jones. But yeah. you know, it's like an on an on form Mark Bennett is a, a joy to behold. Yeah. Um, he's just had such bad luck in the last three years. Um, but you know, you you know, I remember you just think of him running between the sticks against Australia in the quarter final. <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, taking like oh that game when he ripped Bath apart after Jeremy Guskett had gone, been going on about how good Kyle Eastman was and how Bath were going to tear Glasgow to bits, and then Mark Bennett just ripped them to shreds. It was glorious. 
So uh, you've gone, Benef. I've gone for Stafford McDowell. Um, I just don't. I think overall, Hugh Jones is he's all right. He's done. You know, he's 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 a class player, but there is still that nagging doubt about his Glasgow form. Yeah, yeah. consistency is an issue. I think that's it. Uh, Whereas I think fullback. Yeah, fullback Coggy. Uh, well, yeah. yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't even know even, why. Even if there. even if Kinghorn was fit. You know, this I don't think anyone could realistically make a claim for him. Especially no, his uh, defendant recently has been shown up quite badly. It has been, but he's a young, he's a young man, and I, you know, even when, when we started this podcast, we were talking about Hoggy's defending, and Hoggy had been around for a while by then, so plenty of time yeah. to sort that out. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Plucky Edinburgh win. I'm going to go with. A, I think Glasgow will come out the blocks firing. If, if Glasgow score early, uh, I think Edinburgh are going to be in trouble. Um, even if they don't, I still think Glasgow are going to have enough to win. I'm going to go by between 8 and 12. Oof. Oof. Well, we'll see how that pans out. Um, in other news, speaking of Glasgow, we have finally had this happen. Well, we're low-tie and we're low-closing Doggy bop on in the speedos But I just want to know Did you see the legend that's Doogie Donnelly? That's right, somebody has spotted Doogie Donnelly. So congratulations to the pen. <laughs> there is no prize, but he did spot Doogie Donnelly at um, Glasgow Ulster. So well done to the pen. Um Wonderful to finally have Doogie spotted um, in the flesh, in the wild, as it were. Um, please <laughs> With do get a in touch. In his hand. <laughs> yeah, um, I think the next stage is now. Now someone has spotted him, and, and the pen did send me a photograph of Doogie um, taken stalker-like from afar. I think the next stage is, for, is what we need next is people to actually approach Doogie Donnelly to get a selfie, explain why they're getting the selfie, and make sure and just to get photos sent to us of Doogie Donnelly looking very confused. So that's the next. The, the ultimate, of course, would be there is a Dougie Donnelly T-shirt available in our shop. If someone could buy that, find Dougie Donnelly and have their photo taken with them, I think that might that might just be that. I might close the podcast now. And after that, I don't think we could peak. Surely we that. should bring out a, a sort of Where's Dougie Donnelly annual and a Where's Wally style. Man, that could be. It. If I could be bothered to draw it, I would do that. Sounds like a great idea. If anyone can be bothered to do so, that, by all means, fire away. Just give us, you know, chuck us a tenner as royalties. Sorry if my sound went weird there, I was readjusting my headset. That is absolutely fine. Um, we've had another um, Where's Dougie Donnelly spot, not Dougie Donnelly this week. It is um, Craig Simpson spotted Alastair Strokosh in uh, Decathlon. Can you guess what section of Decathlon? Ian, it's a very Alastair Strokosh section of Decathlon. I don't even know what Decathlon is. It's but... Apparently it's a sports shop in Edinburgh, I had to look it up. All right. Because okay. I, yeah. I, I thought Craig was saying he'd seen him in a Decathlon, which I could believe, to be honest, but... Um, I, I, I'm going to guess the tennis section. Martial arts. Oh, they've, they've got a martial arts section. Apparently so. I'm not sure what 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 area of Ember it's in. To be fair, no. um, we'll we'll move on then. We'll we'll do we'll get to our final section then, and we'll do this. That's right, it's it's hands in the ruck. Um there is only one hands in the ruck this week. Um it's the hands in the ruck that everybody 
has sent to us. Um, are we, does, does this mean we'd be holding hands in the rock, Yami? We would be. Yeah, we we are we are holding That's... hands hands across hands across That's... the void. Um, I'm not going to be happy with that. <laughs> holding hands in a platonic way, but you know, standing side by side um, with with the lesbian, gay, uh, transsexual community um, because um, it's it's. It's Billy Vinopola and it's Israel Falau. And I'm just going to put the new seekers behind this just to make give us happy thoughts before we go into this. <laughs> um, that's a murky world. Oh, yeah. But that's that, that's everyone's hands in the rut this week. Um, we've had a few people send it, give various takes on this um, on Twitter. Um, there was, I think it was Bruce McConaughey uh, got in touch and he said... Um, his hands in the ruck was um, that um, people complain, people arguing that Billy Vanapola has a right to free speech, and then say fans don't have a right to boo him. If he wants to have free speech, then we <laughs> should let him have it with both barrels. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who else did we have? We had somebody else said uh, Murray McCann got in touch to say his hands in the ruck was the pearl clutching moral panic at a bit of stick for a Saracens player. If you're only going to have fifteen thousand people at a European semi final, how you have to do something for a bit of atmosphere? Yeah, that was good. I like that one. So um, I'm going to you. You asked if you could do this, Ian, and I just thought, well, we'll both we'll both have a crack at it. So you go first. Yeah, all right. Um, I've, I've even written most of this down because it's you know there's so much you need to get across accurately here. Well, I think um, it's just I think one thing I would say is I wasn't going to do this because I thought it's all water under the bridge. But then events at the weekend, which we'll get on to, brought it right back into the headlines. So so fire ahead, Ian. Right, yo. So like the first thing is uh, like on that list of things. The, like, unless man crushes on John Barkley and Alex Dunbar count as homosexuality, I'm like one short of the full house on the going to hell bingo. <laughs> so, you know, I'm considering downloading Grinders just so I can get this. Um, but, um, no, I mean, it's... Yeah, a lot of people seem... The most offensive part of it for a lot of people, and I think quite rightly so, is the fact that he said that homosexuals are going to hell. It was real flow in this first comment. Um, I'll just remind you all of the list. So it's drunks, homosexuals, adulterers, liars, fornicators, however you want to define that, uh, thieves, atheists, and idolaters. Um, but it is the homosexual thing that I think is probably most outraged everyone uh, and i think for I'd a good say, choice i say the entire was... rugby rugby community are pretty much all drunks aren't they yeah i mean i've heard about jason did you see uh jason leonard's apparent quote to um england nutritionist <laughs> no so what's, what's your what's your post-match uh it's when he's been selected as what's he's the sort of the uh, he's got some head roll in the lines i've forgotten now but uh he said his post-match uh, diet was uh, 25 pints and then uh, three to wash down Sunday lunch <laughs> uh, when asked to explain his alcohol intake. Um, so, right, so I so fill out um, and, and Billy as well with his backing this up because they've kind of locked in on the homosexuals. Now, that is not everything else that's on the list, even if you allow for you know people who've got alcohol addictions, you know, you can cover under drunks, um, or uh, fornicators, people who've got sex addictions, you know, we all know this is, you know, psychologically proven, we've, you know, modern medicine has discovered this. Um, they've picked on people who have been 
persecuted by religion for years and who don't have a choice in you know what how they are um so this is the thing you know we're rugby is aiming and claiming to be all inclusive um and especially in australia there's a, there's a large gay population in sydney the number of players there is dwindling the fans are going away they can't afford you're thinking cynically they can't afford to lose anyone from the game of rugby um so if they are sort of main figurehead the highest paid player the most the, the david beckham of australian rugby he comes out and tells people millions of people that they are living their lives wrong and even after their lives are over they're going to burn in burn in hell and suffer a terrible torment any employer you know there's people have been saying oh he's allowed to you know freedom of speech you should be allowed to say that it's his beliefs right that's fine if you want to believe that that's fine but just don't expect people not to think you're an absolute Roman poets, or in Israel, I think we should just call people Israel Fulows now to be even worse, um, because it's you know, it's so many people that he's affecting this. You know, possible teammates, uh, people who look look up to him. He was he was the poster boy for the uh, the gay sort of gay rugby world cup just a few years ago. Yeah, which is the, it's interesting because that's the, it's the Mark Kendall Bingham Memorial Tournament, which um, the Caledonia Th- Th- uh, Thebans, who are a team that uh, they used to be out of uh, Murrayfield Wanderers, um, I think they're, they're now almost running two teams now in the um, seconds leagues in, in Scotland. They're a gay inclusive rugby team and they won that cup or the shield within that cup. And uh, Mark Bingham himself was, he was a gay rugby player and he died on board uh, United Airlines Flight the '93, he was one of the people that overtook the uh, that sort of took over the uh, cockpit oh, and forced the, it to crash in the field. Yeah, yeah, the Pennsylvania one. Yeah, yeah. So that that's it's named after him. So, right, d- like if when Israel Folau and then by association Bernie Volapona are talking about homosexuals and they're talking about them as sinners, they're talking about people like Mark Bingham who you know forcibly took a plane down. And killed themselves in order to save the lives of save, thousands, yeah, hundreds, hundreds of thousands, of, thousands of, of of other people. It doesn't, it doesn't wash. I think. No, it's. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's. I have a well, it's, right. I have issue. I'm an atheist, right? I, I have issues with religion because for, for balance, is, for balance, I'll say I am. I'm agnostic. Right. So. Um, <laughs> No, it's like, like uh, you know, if if you want to believe, if you believe there's some kind of higher power, that's fine and cool. But uh, for me, the, the thing is, for me, right, there are so many different denominations and interpretations. Even even in Christianity, right, you've got let's say like the Catholic Church. They're the biggest uh, biggest number, over a billion people in the world are are Catholic, and you've got the Pope. You know, they they say that you shouldn't wear condoms. Which is just something that's a bit mad, in my opinion, because uh, oh, the last one said it helped to spread AIDS, um, <laughs> which scientifically, that's what they're meant to stop. Um, and and then you know on the bottom end of the scale, you've got people like the the Westboro Baptist Church, who are just only a couple of steps ahead of Philo and their madness and going for the the proper Old Testament, really hardcore stuff, um, which I mean if if you, as I was, uh, I was telling Cammy earlier, I've actually got my copy of the Bible sitting beside me. Wait, I'll thump it down on the table for dramatic effect. I'll just try and see if I can get the microphone out. How heavy is your Bible? That sounds quite like a light Bible. 
Ian. It is, like, you know, I was, uh, it was a sort of kid's Bible, but it's got all the stuff in it. It's, because, all, uh, it's all there. Yeah, <laughs> all, I mean, all the stuff, all the good stuff. All this stuff, well, you know, I'm just, uh, well, I think Leviticus is everyone's favourite book for the kind of, uh, you know, the homophobia stuff. Uh, chapter 15, do you know the, the title of chapter 15 in Leviticus is Unclean Bodily Discharges. <laughs> uh, is, are you sure this isn't like the book that you got at school to tell you about the change? <laughs> no, Your no, puberty. No, 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 because the Lord does decree. Uh, the Lord gave Moses and Aaron the following regulations. Mm. The um, thing with Leviticus, though, is isn't Leviticus also the bit that talks about uh, not wearing cloth made of um, certain fibers and not eating certain types of meat on a Sunday? Yeah, and I think somebody, although there's some uh, disagreement about the translations on this, um, it does also say that you shouldn't have your body desecrated with the likes of tattoos, yeah. which Israel Folau was covered in. <laughs> I think I think this if we 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 we've strayed into the religious element of this, and we'll deal with the religious element of this first. Well, in our you know without we should probably say it's an ecumenical matter, but <laughs> I, I I have some experience of of arguing um, this point with religious people. Um, I used to go to a wasn't it? it was like it wasn't like a, a bible study group it was sort of like a social group for young christians and all my friends went so i used to go along on a sunday night with them all it was all a little bit cult like um but well, i, I kind of sunday school when i was a kid so yeah well, well this sort of give that up. this was in my late teenage years and and i kind of left over the an argument about homosexuality and their attitudes to it and essentially it all comes down to interpretation and if you read it all in the historical context and you read it all within the context of the wider messages none of the stuff that is ever quoted has anything to do with homosexuals it has to do with sexual acts which um homosexuals may take part in in the same way as heterosexuals may take part in and there may be same sex um re- inappropriate relations um related to so i think the one and leak i Lee did the word on this on blood and mud earlier this, uh, yesterday it's the um it's a Greek word, and it sounds like bum, but it's not bum. But it's to do with um, where it was essentially to do with slave owners having sex with, uh, well, raping their young um, slaves, mm. and it was Saint Peter saying that's wrong, quite right. And I think I don't think even in this day and age anyone would argue that it wasn't wrong. <laughs> it's entirely wrong, <laughs> but it, it it's nothing. It's got nothing to do with homosexuality at all. Um, and also, I mean, the Bible's been used to justify all sorts of things in the past. It was used to ju- they used uh, Ephesians five seven to justify slavery. Servants, be obedient to your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ. Um, so it's been used, and it was even used to justify. This is the this is the sad thing about it, all, where where we come back to. It. I think it was Daniel Leo pointed this out on Twitter when it all first came out. Is essentially. What's happened is the Bible was used back in the day by people like Captain Cook to justify going over to um, to the Pacific Islands and subjugating the uh, perceived wild people who needed to be converted to Christianity, converting them to Christianity, and then that become you know getting rid of all the traditions and all the traditional structure societal structures and replacing it with religion, and then leaving it there, and then that is now why. The church is now the centre of all these communities, and why they're really religious, and then all of that, blah 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 blah, and everything begets everything, and we are where we are. Um, 
but it's not not all but i think i was it not all obviously clearly not all religious people not all christians are homophobic not all christian people believe that the bible says the things that israel fall out and believe on apollo say that it says um the other thing did you see this did you see stephen jones tweet uh, no, I, I try to avoid him as much Absolute as possible. Absolute mess of a tweet. Now he's blocked. He's blocked me on Twitter because main, I was right. having a very. Is that a swatch? Yeah, well, I was having a reasoned argument with him about the lines uh, during the last. Yeah, but you know, he he doesn't do reason. He's no, he just, he just blocked he just me. Out. Going. Yeah, um, so he just blocked me. But I have someone sent me. Someone put a screenshot up. Um, essentially, they say it's like the worst tweet I've ever seen, and that's going some. Basically, somebody said, I can't agree with your views. It essentially said, oh, Billy Vunapolo has been hard done by. It's his religion and um, blah, 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 blah. And um, somebody pulled him up and said, I don't think I can agree with you on that, but let's agree to disagree. And he said, um, I don't think you can criticise Billy Vunapolo. He's a Christian, just like the people in Sri Lanka that died in the terrorist attack. <laughs> Which is just oh, a terrible take. What? So, yeah. Oh, no. So Benny Villapola has suffered, essentially saying Benny Villapola by saying that, uh, well, by supporting Israel Falau, because he didn't say it himself, but by supporting Israel Falau's statement or right to make the statement that homosexuals are burning in hell, Billy Villapola has suffered in the same way as the hundreds of people that died in the terrorist attack in Sri Lanka. died horrifically, yeah. yeah. No, that's absolutely beyond abhorrent basically exactly uh, i i think i posted on twitter i wonder you have to wonder how many bottles of port someone would have to be down have down before they would even think of sending that out on social media that's a, oh jesus oh, that's that's ultimately that's sort of, though, oh we, we can justify you know all these killings because something else happened it's, uh, yeah. um Ultimately, though, I think we've, I've made it, I've said on Twitter, I think a number of people have said is freedom of speech is absolutely fine. I have no problem with people having freedom of speech, but there's also freedom of speech is not freedom of consequence. We have said some horrendous things on this podcast that I have had to edit out afterwards. Otherwise, we would be <laughs> sued. Um, so, who, who, me? Yeah. Um, I don't, all right, maybe once. Yeah. Twice, twice three times. Um, a lady? <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, people have the right to say whatever they want. Um, even in having this discussion, you can hear me and Ian going um and um because what we're doing is self-censoring ourselves before we say something daft or stupid um, that I, might I have offend to do that or upset every time people. I open my mouth. Yeah, so that's you know that's where we are with things. Just cause people have the right to say whatever they want, but they also have to accept that there might be consequences that come with that. And if you are employed by any company in the current uh, in current society, I would say, um, all will have social media policies and social usage media policies that will say things like you can't bring the company into disrepute, you mustn't breach company values. Um, essentially, even if, you know, the that whole statement of these views don't represent the views of my employer is a, is a complete nonsense, really, because if you put something horrendous on social media, and then people found out where you work. And then, of course, your employer is going to want to drag you in for a chat. It's like the same thing if you turned up at a far-right rally. If you were on the news at a far-right rally giving Nazi salutes and your boss saw you on the telly, you uh, might want a word Monday morning to ask what you were doing. Yeah. yeah. Can I have a word? Like, uh, yeah. One of the, um, one of the this you know, small band of Celtic fans that were singing songs about the death of Lee Rigby, you know, that has, I think he was a plumber. His boss saw it, 
It's like he's like, yeah, that video was recorded on Saturday. By Monday, I sacked him. Um, yeah. You know, if you are if you're going to put those opinions out there, if you're going to write them or say them, right? Don't expect there not to be comeback either from your employer or by other people who disagree with you. Now, the people who disagree with you, they might not be doing it in a particularly eloquent or good way either. But doesn't make that doesn't make your opinion right just because they're wrong as well. Yeah, you know, if you're going to say something so, you know, so offensive to so many millions and millions of people, don't expect there not to be fallout. Yeah, I mean the one the, I was thinking about this, and you know the one person that i would hold up as a, as a as a good example of someone who stands resolutely by their faith but does it in a very measured and does it very well is sonny bill williams who has I, my understanding is he's got a conscientious objection clause in his contract um that says basically he won't do anything that country he wouldn't take part in any activities that would contradict his faith so he blo- he blo- he was able to block out um a bank a banking company on his yeah, um on his shirt. on his shirt because they give loans and um, the Islamic faith doesn't believe in money lending. He didn't yeah. have to or blank out loans with interest. That's it. He didn't have to blank out the AIG on the all black like casino as well. Yeah, uh, he didn't have to blank out AIG because AIG are an insurance company. It's a different thing. He did a charity boxing match recently, um, and there were scantily clad women, and he refused to go on stage because he didn't think it was appropriate but he did make a big deal about it he just said I don't, i'm not prepared to do that and i think is he, who does he play for these days is he playing for the crusaders or i lost um, track of things who he's not the crusaders Keynes, isn't he yeah no he's not is he i can't remember and wherever he is i think I'm, they've they've said there's enough there's, there is you know there's enough other corporate work that he can do that they see, are happy I mean, for him to do uh, so that they can respect his beliefs without putting him in a compromising position, but also so that his beliefs and his refusal to do things aren't having an impact on other people. So he's, yeah, he's not compromised. They're not compromised. You know? Yeah, everybody's it's happy. Like, you know, and, and I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know enough about Islam to know what its position on homosexuality is. I don't think that Sonny Bill Williams has. It's 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 not good. No. It's really not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. But but it's but you know, uh, you read the things that Sonny Bill Williams puts out on social media, and he, you know, it's all very nice general things, and he he promotes a very good image of himself and a very good positive image of his religion and his and his beliefs and he might behind closed doors he may have beliefs that contradict with his employer and contradict with what is accepted in society but he chooses presumably chooses the time and place to express those beliefs and understands that that's not on social media and not in public which is fine yeah you know if he was able to you know reach an amicable agreement i mean this is things like when he was covering up his sponsors on his shirt, he's one of 23 players on that team who have all the same sponsors. You know, I'm sure that uh, if it was the Chiefs at the time, or I think, is he at the Chiefs? I can't this is embarrassing. We should know who Sonny Bell plays for. Um, right, so uh, whoever he's it's with. It's super rugby. It's not, it's not really uh, I don't. I don't have Sky. I'm not allowed. Um <laughs> Right, so if they can then say, okay, tell you what, instead what we'll do is at the side of the pitch we'll have one of your adverts up for 10 seconds longer. You know, there's a, 
equal amicable agreement you can come to there. Yep. Whereas Israel flew out, he was told, look, dude, don't say that kind of stuff again. Here's $4 million for a two-year contract. There you go. Just sign this. Stop talking all this. Blah, blah, blah. Thank you very much. What does he do? Straight back on. And then do, doubles down on it. Because um, interestingly, I don't think... And I'm, I, I, don't, I don't know enough about employment law, but I would guess that the ARU couldn't force Israel Folau to take, you know, stand at the, you know, stand for a promo shop waving a rainbow flag because he might say that would con that might discriminate against him because of his religious beliefs and that might that might that would be fine for him to yeah, politely to, yeah, that- to take part in that that activity, but. You can't then do the go completely the opposite way and then start actively, you know, telling people they're going to hell. Yeah, and also, you know, Rugby Australia's biggest sponsor is Qantas. Uh, their CEO is openly gay. Um, so if you're basically telling the man who pays, man who's responsible for paying a lot of your wages, you're going to hell unless you act more like me. That's that's not going to get you far. No, it's not. But then, interesting, Qantas are linked to Emirates, and yes, also, Emirates, yeah. and, and and then you get the whole kind of worms with world rugby because, of course, world rugby play the world sevens in, in Dubai. Dubai and Singapore, where homosexual. And they well, took it, and they took it off of us. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the country, the country that gave you the game of sevens, and who has a nice, open, liberal attitude to all covers, unless you're. A Person of ill repute. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well. <laughs> said, said, um, depending on which side of the uh, Catholic and Protestant, uh, <laughs> where, which which well, town you walk into in the Bible Belt. But aside from that, we're very tolerant. Yes, yeah. oh, we're lovely. <laughs> um, uh, well, there's there you go. There's another thing with Israel. It's sort of, all right. So this thing, like, with if you're so fundamental as him. You're in that kind of camp where it's like, so it's me and my cronies, we're all right. The rest of you, you're all going to burn. That's just that's just a bit arrogant, isn't it? Well, no, because I think the the argument there is that we're all sinners. That's that's the argument that everyone falls back and says, well, we're all sinners at the end of the day. And that's sometimes the defence. But then it's like, well, that's fine. But you, if we're all sinners, just say we're all sinners. You don't then have to go around sort of highlighting specific groups. Yes. <laughs> as being more but sinful than others. We're all sinners, but you, you lot are the worst of them. And at the end of the day, I know people will point to this and you know say there are examples of Jesus talking about things that could be construed to be about homosexuality, but he didn't spend his whole time doing it. It wasn't his yeah. main message. It wasn't, you know, I mean, if, if you're going to like, take if you're going to take anything away from the message of Easter, for example, it's not that all homosexuals are going to are going to hell, is it? That's not the central. Yeah, I mean, especially the New Testament stuff seems to be very devoid of it. Um, the only one part I think that I've ever found in Leviticus is, and it's very brief, no man is to have sexual relations with another man. God hates that. That's it. Then it goes on about doing animals. So obviously that's manky as well. But that's Leviticus um, and that's Old Testament. Like you said, it's yeah. all that's it's Old Testament stuff. And I don't, and even that, that's that's a translation, and I don't think it originally necessarily yeah. meant yeah. that in the context maybe. of when it was, was written. So, yeah. Or maybe the person translated was just like, you know what? Oh, I'm really grumpy today. Let's just pick stuff up. Let's just be as horrible as possible. Anyway, that has been Thought for the Day on Radio 4 with the Reverend Ian Hay and Pastor Cameron, Cammy Black. That sounds too much like Ian Paisley, don't say that again. <laughs> um, 
Inter- I think the interesting thing this weekend is, is for all Billy Vanapola rowing back on it and saying, I'm very, you know, apologizing through Saracen, Saracen saying we're dealing with it very seriously. The RFU saying we're dealing with it very seriously and he's very sorry. Then BT Sport spent the whole weekend going, oh, poor Vanapola, he's had a hard week. To be fair, Sarah Elgin gave him a hell of a going over in the uh, immediately after, after match, asked him some quite challenging questions in the immediate aftermath of that match. But in the post-match press conference, he was asked about it again, and he said, "Yeah, I realise I've, I've, I've hurt a lot of people, but that's that's what I believe." Which it's yeah. not a contrite apology, is it? No, I've uh, profanely replied to that on when you've mentioned that on Twitter. Um, you would, I mean, these guys get. I mean, they must get media trained up to the eyeballs. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It must but be. Then, you can imagine... Oh, them, the... Maybe maybe since Eddie's came in, and, you know, they're like, oh, but Eddie's off the cuff. The media loves Eddie. And he's like, right, lads, go out there, there and say what you like, eh? Yeah, just, just, just wing it, lads. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, no, right, it's not easy. Oh, don't listen, easy, Jesus. Yeah, just the... um, You can just imagine the conversation. The media manager sat there, right, Billy, let's try this again. Go. My faith. Go. My faith is very important to me. Very good, Billy. Right. Keep going. I love and respect everybody. Well done, Billy. That's it. You're getting there. That's it. Just that's the best way to answer. Oh, guys are going to hell. Oh, for... start again. <laughs> it's Rainbow Laces week. Oh, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> It was interesting because there's a couple of guys, the uh, Rainbow Laces thing was actually quite interesting because a couple of England players didn't wear them after the Gareth Thomas thing, but actually the reason they didn't yeah. wear them uh, was well, because I... they were uncomfortable, which I yeah, thought was fair, and they both came out and just said, yeah, I, I fully respect the cause, but I'm letting you know I'm not wearing them because I I, I like my own laces. Yeah, I think, was it Don Armand or one of the XR yeah. boys? I think he said, yeah, they're, they're dead chunky and they cut it at my feet. Yeah. Um, whether or not that's true, you know, fair, right. fair enough. Uh, and then I think there, there might have been somebody else that just didn't wear it, said I'm not wearing them, and that's fine. Yeah, didn't I think it was, was it, might even have been Ben Teal. Yeah, and that's uh, fine. Just quietly yeah, just go, do what like, do. You know what? It's not my thing. Cool. You know, but it. don't you then go say you're all going to burn for all eternity. Yeah. So, a bit harsh. on <laughs> that note, um, me and Ian have both got, I didn't think we'd get a chance to get that off our chest scene, if I'm being honest. But... Oh, Thank you, Binny Vernapola, for and Stephen Jones for reopening that can of worms for us this week. Yeah, I'm going to have to read the Stephen Jones thing because uh... yeah, you don't. It'll only, it'll only upset you. I can find it for you now and read it to you. Oh no, well, I just I, I know he's just a contrary rug, uh, rugby journalist of world rugby journalist of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Who was he doing and and inappropriate biblical relations with in order to win such an award? I wonder. Yes. So there's a guy on Twitter tweeted Stephen Jones said Stephen we might have to agree to disagree on the greater crime here Billy's homophobia or a little booing to call it out rugby should just be for everyone not just Billy that said Saracens were deserved winners yesterday well what a fair and about that man should win Twitter what a fair and balanced tweet that was and then the reply from Stephen Jones try to take defeat better. And there is nothing more phobic about Billy. How could you take defeat better? That's the most, that's it, the that's the most lovely, lovely, lovely reply. Try to take defeat better. And there is nothing homophobic about Billy. He is religious, like everyone who died in Sri Lanka. How, how does he know? That is, that a, everyone that is an some awful people just, tweet. Yeah, some people are just uh, 
We're just on holiday. Yeah. If you're visiting a holy site, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a holy person. You're just there. As, it might just be a tourist attraction. Yeah. You might, uh, you know, everyone who is at who goes to Notre Dame Cathedral, for example, um, you just go because look, look at the architecture on that. You know, I've I've been there. I've looked at that when I was a kid. So I'm I'm not religious. I just go. Oh. I went. I was in New York a couple of years ago. Went around New York, Windsor. Like, would you look at the architecture on that? Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Stephen Stephen Jones can go and right get the bleak machine out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's not. Let's just leave. Let's yeah. just let's just leave it there. Um, yeah. that's it from us for this week for um, next week we will be discussing um, Ephesians um, some, we'll be reading out some Psalms um, <laughs> and looking at what the, to the Galatians. and looking at the impact the book of Revelations might have on World Rugby's proposed World League um, <laughs> and uh, you know did Jesus prefer League or Union in the meantime, if you're turning your hymn books to him number 342, all things bright and beautiful, that is it from me and Ian this week. Goodbye. Good night. Peace be with you.